More information about Foothills Church is available at foothillschurch.com. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15. Uh, that's where we'll be in just a little bit. Uh, but before we get there, I want to uh, get our minds kind of thinking about where we're going to be at today. And, and, and where we're at today is first and foremost with uh, the gospel story. And so let me just, let me just start with uh, asking you to think about uh, the, the, the greatest movie, the greatest book, the greatest story that you've ever heard. The greatest movies that, that, that you've ever seen. And when you think about it, uh, when we narrow down all the great stories in mankind, this is not an American-like deal, this is like globally humanity from, from stories all over the world. The best stories, the, the ones that really captivate us and, and the ones that we, we go back to and, and the ones that our kids, even though they're old stories, uh, our kids at a young age just gravitate to those stories, all have a similar plot line. Um, and if, you, if you're into storytelling, you've read any kind of book about storytelling, you know that there's three basic plot lines, but they're all the same. They just have a kind of a different spin on them. And the first plot line is called A Man Falls in a Hole. And so this plot line is everything starts out good. Uh, the, the main character is introduced and somewhere along the line, something bad happens, like he falls in a hole, <laughs> something happens. And then there's a, usually a villain. There's a bad guy, you know, he's dressed in black and, and he's kind of evil looking. And, and then there's a hero slash rescuer who comes in and saves the day. And at the end of the story, reconciliation or restoration takes place. I mean, that's pretty simple. Think of every single Marvel comic movie uh, you've ever seen. Spider-Man, Superman, Batman. It's all man falls in a hole. Dude is rescued. Reconciliation, restoration at the end. Another uh, famous plot line, it's very simple. They, they all have the same like thrust and foundation, but this one is called Boy Meets Girl. And so every single uh, romantic comedy that your wife, guys, that, that she takes you to um, follows this same plot line. So like there's a guy or there's a main character. He's introduced and things are pretty good uh, in the relationship or kind of not there. And then something bad happens. You know, he, he cheats on her. Or he doesn't quite sure this is the one. And then whatever it is, he, he's not quite sure. Something bad happens. But in the end, he gets, her act, he gets his act together. She realizes he's been the one that I've always wanted kind of deal. And restoration, reconciliation, and the boy gets the girl every time. The ones that we go back to and over and over again, that's the plot line. That is why we love it. And then the final uh, plot line is called the rags to riches plot line. And so, so this one is the main character finds himself or herself in, you know, a financially bad situation or, or some, some, you know, a desperate situation of some sort. Um, something takes place that is good, that restores and, and revives and, and thrusts them into a good light. And at the end of the story, he or she lives happily ever after. Absolutely. And so the most famous rags to riches story is Cinderella. That's why if you have a daughter, you do not have to convince her to like the story of Cinderella. There is something in her bones. There is something in her DNA that loves and is captivated by the story of Cinderella. There is something in every single human that is captivated by this story, 
the basic storyline of things start out good. Something bad takes place. There's an enemy, a villain, and then there's a rescuer, and then restoration and reconciliation happen at the end. The hero kills the dragon, and he gets the girl every time. Why do we love those movies? They make millions. We read books. It's why The Hunger Games. It's why Harry Potter. It's why The Lord of the Rings. All of these great current stories all follow this exact same plot. Why do we love it? I would submit to you today that the reason why we can't get enough of them, the reason why you'll go see the very next Matthew McConaughey, you know, you know, romantic comedy, even though you've seen him in 10 or 15, you'll go back to see the other one because there is something inside your heart. It's the very DNA of how you and I are wired. And the reason is because this plot line is the plot line of the gospel. And so there is something in all of our hearts that gravitates towards, longs for, and, and, and wants and desires only that which can be found in the gospel story. The gospel narrative. I mean, think about it. It starts in creation. When you share the gospel with somebody, um, you must start in creation. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so in creation, God creates it. He says, let there be light. And he says, it was good. Things start off great. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. A perfect relationship with each other. No sin exists. A perfect relationship with their creator. And then something bad happens. God says you can eat anything you want to. Just don't eat of that tree that's in the middle of the garden. And they ate of it. And immediately sin entered the world. The fall of mankind is thrust into the story. And so when that takes place, they then pass on that sin nature to you and I, however many thousands of years later. But then the next part of the story is the rescuer. The rescuer from Genesis, right, has been foretold. You see, it's not just about the New Testament and, the, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that's important. This book is, is, is written by hundred, you know, different authors, hundreds of years, and yet it tells one unique story. And so in this creation, it falls but then God sends a rescuer in Jesus. And then the Bible tells us in the end that he will restore mankind. He will restore the earth. We'll spend eternity with him forever for those that follow and love him who have accepted them, him into their life. This is the plot line. This is the story. And this is the gospel story. And so from every movie, every book, every story that you've ever loved, that is in our hearts to long for and to want because we can only find it in the Gospels. And it's interesting that uh, the Bible calls the church the bride of Christ. So as a, as a church, we are the bride of Christ. That's one of the figurative um, uh, ways that, 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 that Jesus expresses uh, his love for his church. We are his bride. And then in, the, in, the, uh, the, in Revelation, the very last book of the New Testament, the Bible calls Satan, the villain, the enemy, the dragon. And so essentially, Jesus kills the dragon 
and he gets the girl. He gets his bride. He saves his people. You see, folks, this is a story that has been told from the very beginning of time because it resonates with our hearts. It is the gospel story. It is what Christ and, and, and what God has done in mankind, and it's why we long for it. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to look at verses 3 through 6 to kind of lay some groundwork here. Then we're going to flip over uh, just a minute to, to, to Luke. But let's look here first in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. He says, For I've delivered to you as of first importance What I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep." So, so let me just, let's just get some framework here. That Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. The scripture that he's alluding to here is not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what we would call the New Testament. That hadn't been uh, organized into the canon of scripture at that point. It was just then getting written. So the scriptures he's alluding to is the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, all of this. What he's saying is, according to the scriptures, that Jesus from the very beginning was predicted. So when we talk about the gospel story, it doesn't start on Christmas Day. Okay, it starts way before that. Jesus was not an afterthought. Jesus was not, oh man, what are we going to do? He was the plan from the very beginning, according to the scriptures. It says he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And then he appeared, not just to a few guys, but hundreds of people. And so hundreds of people saw the resurrected Jesus, which means that there's a lot of validity, a lot of eyewitnesses to the fact that Jesus died. He was buried and that hundreds of people saw the resurrected Jesus with the nail print scars to prove it. This is important. This is huge. Because on December 25th, you know, this this year, we're going to celebrate the birth of a baby and, and not just any baby, right? This is the king of kings. This is the rescuer. He's the hero. And on that night, that 16 or 17-year-old girl, virgin girl, gave birth to a son. And that son was born not in a palace, pampered and spoiled his whole life. He was born in a stable, most likely a cave where animals were kept all night. And so in the filth and in the, in the, you know, the barn, so to speak, the king of kings comes into the world, the God man, and he is wrapped in clothes and they, and blankets, and then they lay him in a manger, which is a food trough. And I can only imagine Joseph, you know, kind of cleaning out the gross slop food that was there from that evening's meal for the animals and laying his newborn son in that stable, in that manger. You see, Jesus comes to relate to us. He comes and not to you know, be pampered and to, to be ushered in as we might expect him to as this king, but he comes in as a poor person struck in poverty, and yet he has a plan and a purpose. But you see, sometimes we think that Jesus comes and we celebrate Jesus' birth because he makes us all better people. 
and that Jesus is this good prophet. He's this good guy. And if we just follow him, you know, then things will be better in our life. And so we kind of look to the Bible as a how-to guide to have a better marriage or to how to have better finances. Or we look to the Bible as to how to fix our parenting problems. And, and folks, this book is not about you. It's about Jesus from start to finish. But he's given, it, given us this book because he does love us. And so as we celebrate the birth, we also realize that, that, that Jesus is not coming to, to, you know, to make good people or to make bad people good. He's coming to make dead people come alive. And, and if you don't get anything else today, this is the main point today, that, that, that Jesus wasn't born into the world to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. You see, before I had accepted Christ into my life, even though I was raised in a, in, a, in a Christian family, I was spiritually dead. The Bible calls me spiritually dead before Christ, calls me an enemy of God. So I wasn't a good guy. I wasn't a good person. I didn't do, you know, noble and good things for God prior to my acceptance of Jesus. And so because of that, I am, my fellowship with God is disrupted and I'm a sinner. I'm lost. My destiny is hell unless the rescuer breaks free and breaks through into my heart and into my life and praise God that he has and, and he did. But in, before that moment, you know, my life was spent on a lot of selfish kind of focus, you know. How, how do I build my kingdom? How do, I, how do I get my pleasure? How do I get my stuff in line? And I'm not really focused on anything else other than what kind of I need and I want at that particular moment. And some of you who are believers in here will resonate with that same story. You can look back into your life and say, yeah, before Christ, man, I was all about me. Before Christ, all I cared about was, was my plan. But now I know Christ and now I realize there's a, a bigger story it's the gospel story that is still being written, by the way. Yeah, the Bible is completed. We're not going to add any more scripture to the Bible. There's not going to be any more books. There's not going to be a Revelation part two or whatever. You know, it's, it's, it's done. But at the same time, the story of the gospel is continuing because Jesus hasn't returned yet. And so you and I are in the story right now, today. And so if Jesus is coming to make dead people live, then eternity is at stake. I mean, this is a serious issue. This is not, hey, it's probably a good idea if you come to church on Sunday because maybe your kids will you know, enjoy it and, and maybe they won't get caught up into drugs and all that kind of stuff. And then when they get through high school, then you can you know, stop coming. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. I mean, Jesus' mission is to make dead people come alive. Do you realize what that means? I mean, if we'll get a heart for this, then God will transform this church. He'll transform your life. Because we're talking about eternity, and it is at stake here that if, that if you and I don't get our, our acts together, if, if you and I don't fall in love with Jesus, then, then we're not going to be concerned about this. And so we look to Luke chapter 24, if you will turn with me. Luke 24, this is the very end of the gospel of Luke, beginning in verse 44. Jesus has appeared to the disciples a few different times, and, and here he has appeared to them again, and uh, immediately they're frightened, they're startled, and then Jesus says to chill out. I've got a few things I need to explain to you. And then here's what he says to them. Verse 44, then Jesus says to them, these are my words that I spoke to you, while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. 
that he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer on the third day, rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with the power from on high. Talking about the Holy Spirit coming here. So again, we learn that all of Scripture, folks, is, is a part of the gospel story. He says all of Scripture. So he says everything written in the law of Moses, which is the, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, uh, credited to Moses. Everything in there is alluding to Jesus. Okay, so, so everything in the Bible is pointing to Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ. He is coming, the restorer, the rescuer. Okay, then he says in the prophets, and so all the prophetical books, he, he says in these books, we see evidence that they point to the coming rescuer, Jesus. Even in the book of Psalms, he says, you, you see the suffering servant. You see uh, that, that, that this Jesus is on his way, that this, this Messiah is coming. And that's exactly what Jesus is teaching us here in Luke 24. And so he is here saying that, that thousands of years and dozens of different authors, God sent us a succession of witnesses to promise and proclaim that Jesus Christ is coming. The purpose, and listen, the, the central and primary purpose of the Old Testament is to prepare us for the coming God-man, to prepare us for the Messiah, the coming of Jesus Christ. And it tells us that he would be born of a woman, he would be born of a virgin, <clears throat> that he would be born before the year A.D. 70, that yes, he would be born and, and yes, he would live without sin and that he would die on the cross. That he would be born in Bethlehem, that he would die on the cross for our sins and that he would, he would die and be buried. And yes, on the third day that he would be raised from the dead and resurrected and that he would save sinners from their sin and allow uh, the, the restoration of his people in that relationship with their creator and that he alone would ascend into heaven, that he would take his people with him to his presence in heaven for all time, that he would rule and reign one day as king of kings and lord of lords, that he would come back and return to earth and, and, and to gather his people and to rule one day this earth again. This is our Jesus. This is the gospel story. From Genesis to Revelation, it is the story. So what does he tell us to do? In this passage, he says, as he's, as he's sharing this in verse 45, he says, then he opened their minds to understand the scripture. He opened their minds. So, so here, here are the disciples. They've been with Jesus for, you know, probably three years now. And yet they still don't understand the Old Testament prophecies. They still don't quite get it. And so Jesus opens their minds so that they might understand the scriptures. And so here, here's the point here. You don't get it until the Holy Spirit opens up your mind to get it. Um, I was talking with somebody this past week and they were like, you know, a few week, months ago, you were in Romans chapter 10, verse nine, where it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, excuse me, you will be saved. And, 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 and so she was saying, I've heard that a hundred times. I've read that. I've seen that. But for whatever reasons, that day, <clears throat> she wasn't a believer. At that day, she got it. She said something clicked, like the lights came on. It's like I had bl blinders on and I took it off. And I was like, that's exactly what the scripture teaches us. 
that it's the Holy Spirit that opens up our minds, opens up our heart to his truth. So, so here's the deal. If you want to understand scripture, then you and I better be asking the Holy Spirit to open up our minds. We've got to ask him and prayerfully uh, seek his wisdom on what the scripture teaches us. The Bible is not about you. It's about Jesus, but it is for you because he loves you. And so when we, when we think about that, we, we have to understand and realize that, okay, I need other people in my life to help me understand scripture. I need to read God's word. And I need to pray that God would help me understand his word, understand this story, understand his gospel, how it impacts everything in my life. Life. And so that's what we pray for as a church. That's what we pray for as pastors, for our people and for us. You see, Jesus wasn't born in this world to make bad people good. He was sent that he would make dead people come alive. And he's called you and I to share that story. And he will open up the hearts and minds of people. That's not my job. I can't do that. I can't open up somebody's mind to hear the gospel. Only, only the Spirit of God can do that, but I'm called to, to go. And he says here um, in verse 47, he says, Repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. So to all nations, but he says beginning in Jerusalem. Because he wants us to start where we live. So we don't want to jump over the spiritually dead people that we live next to to go to Africa or to go to, you know, ha- Haiti. I mean, we, we want to we start locally and be locally involved in sharing the story and the gospel message. And then we are, we are thrust into the world as we are capable literally around the world. And so he calls us to this. He's calling the disciples to do this. He is calling you and I to do this. And I'm telling you, Satan will do anything and everything to get you distracted from that goal, that mission. That is the one thing we must be about. And it's the one thing that Satan will do anything in your life to get you distracted from. So a problem in your marriage will get you distracted from the mission. A problem in your finances will get you distracted from giving towards missions. A problem at work, anything to get you focused on yourself, anything focused on building your own kingdom and not God's kingdom, then he's winning. So where do I fit in in the story? If the gospel is still being, being if, if the gospel story is still being told and written, where do I fit in? Where does Foothills Church fit in? Where do you fit in? And I believe it's right here. It is right here as Jesus says that repentance and forgiveness of sins must be proclaimed to the world, to our city and to the world. It is right here that you and I step in to this scene. It is the call that God has given to us and, and you and I are living in the story right now. And if we can get excited about this, if we can get passionate about this, I believe God would begin to send us people and, and we would see dead people coming alive every week, every month, that we would see dead people coming alive in our small groups, that your neighbors who are dead would be coming alive, that, that those who have dead marriages would, would see an alive marriage, that those who have you know, dead parenting skills, now they have godly parenting skills, not because they looked at the book and read, okay, here's how you do it, step one, step two, but because they fall in love with Jesus. And that Jesus opens up their minds and their hearts and Jesus transforms them. I can't explain that. I can't teach that. I just just proclaim, I tell the story, you proclaim, you tell the story, and then God just miraculously does it. And that's what we want to see. That's what we're about. In Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, we see really the foundational verse for our church and, and for the church, not just our church, but the church. And it's the foundational verse for this series. Greg has been talking about it for the last two weeks now. As we go, we're to make disciples. 
Matthew 28, Jesus says this. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the world. Many years ago, I'm sitting in seminary class, and and, uh, Dr. Tom Rayner is my professor at the time, who's now the president of Lifeway, and and, and he's explaining this passage. He's explaining this verse. The, the New Testament is re- written in the Greek language. And so um, that word go there, he began to explain to me that it should be translated and literally translated as as you go. So, so uh, literally while you are going or as you go, make disciples. And so that like transformed everything that I thought about missions because growing up, I thought that missions was, you know, pack up the suitcase and the family and move to Africa. You know, go overseas and do mission work. But what he was teaching here and showing me and God was opening my mind to was that, oh my goodness, that like I'm not a missionary because of, 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 of travel and where I go. I'm a missionary because I'm on a mission. And the mission is to make disciples of Christ. And so he's called me to this. And even though I don't feel like I'm good enough to do it, he, he's enabling me to do it. And despite my weaknesses, I, I see it happening around me because I just want to try to be faithful to him. And he does the miraculous as you go, as you go to work, as you go to the ball field. While you were going, you know, to, to work, to, to, to build your kingdom, he says, I want you to make disciples. So it's not like we come here on Sunday morning to make disciples. I mean, this is part of it. We're to be encouraged and and we learn and we grow. We worship together. But then like Monday morning, when you wake up to go to work, that is the mission. So like you take a mission trip every week, every day you're on a mission trip. It's like we get pumped up and pack the suitcase and get the passport. and We're all excited. But it's like every day we wake up with the suitcase packed. And it's like we should be walking out the door with the lens and the mindset of, man, I'm going on a mission trip today. I'm going to work. So who am I going to impact? Who am I going to love on? As a church, you know, when we began the church, we started with this idea of making disciples. We wanted that to be the priority because we see that is the priority in Scripture. And so, so we've tried to do that, which means that we have always been locally involved. And we want to, you know, always grow that and make it better and, and have more of an impact. But, but we've always had a heart for local ministry. And how can we, you know, find organizations in the, in the city that are doing a good job uh, doing the work of the kingdom? And how can we assist? them and partner with them. So we prayerfully sought that out. And, and so we prayerfully sought out global partners because we know we got to go. We know we got to go overseas. It's not just going down the street, but, but it's also going overseas. So how can we do that? And so, so it's been this quest and, and man, we've, we've hit some home runs and we've hit some, you know, foul balls, but, but God has led us to where we're at today. And what I believe is a very good situation. So I want to share with you in 2013 what we did with the Christmas offering and, and kind of some of the things that we're doing. And some of you guys know this. It's in the uh, uh, missions magazine that's at the Connect Center and everywhere in the church. Uh, but I want to highlight it a little bit more. We took three overseas missions trips. So that's, that's 40 people. So for us, at, you know, at the age of four as a church, that's awesome. I mean, for me, I never would have thought we would have, we, we would have be advanced that much by this time. I mean, at, you know, most churches aren't sending that, let alone a church of, of, of our size and our age. And so I was really encouraged by that. It was the first time that we took students this year. 
So that was huge to begin to take and train our, our teenagers that, hey, this is what it means to go. We actually took a nine-year-old this year to Haiti, which was awesome as well, my daughter. So uh, that was cool. And so we want to, you know what, I, 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 wanna, I want you guys to do the same. And so I thought, you know what, I'm, I've got to model that. And so, honey, pack up the suitcase. I know you're nine. I know it's Haiti, uh, and, and it's going to be just uh, challenging, but we're going. And so I want you guys to get excited about that. Take your kids overseas. The, hey, by the way, the quicker you can get them out of America, <laughs> I'm telling you, it's going to do some good. It's going to do a lot of good in their own heart, in their own life. So that's been huge for us. We, we gave financially to the North American Mission Board, which plants churches all over North America. Um, Kevin Ezell, he spoke here last spring, phenomenal leader. We're supporting them because they're doing a huge and great work. International Mission Board, which uh, places missionaries all over the globe. It is the largest missionary sending organization in the world. And uh, we're passionate about it because they're doing a great work. We, we, we gave to them. We were able to, to give to them. And then we also um, have our own missionary in Haiti, Brett Bundy who we gave financially to. That's who we partner with and go see when we go to Haiti uh, and, and partner along with his mission and his work and does a phenomenal job and uh, uh, excited about that. Uh, you saw the video earlier that talked about uh, food for kids. And so 1,500 uh, backpacks of food given out this year to kids in, in our city. These aren't shipped overseas. These are our kids that, that you see at Walmart, that you see at school, that, that are needy and hungry and need food on the weekends. And so, so you guys giving last year were able to meet that need, as well as our uh, partners at Second Harvest continuing to send volunteers and support them locally um, has been a huge thing for us. Every, every month we're sending 20 and 30 volunteers. You guys should, should go and do it. I even took my kids, you know, all four of my kids, little kids, you know, packing, you know, food and, and doing that, getting them serving was a phenomenal uh, experience for us. And so I encourage you guys to do that. Uh, we give financially or gave financially uh, to the Pregnancy Resource Center here in Blount County. And so uh, a great ministry and organization that's doing a great work and we send volunteers there. Uh, last week we talked about Deeper Still, which uh, helps those with an abortion wounded heart affected by that. Uh, and so that uh, is another venture that we're excited to partner with. And uh, we're also partnering on what's called Kids Hope. Uh, many of you guys kind of know what that is, but Kids Hope is a nationally recognized organization that, that encourages uh, uh, volunteers from churches to go into public schools to mentor and, and uh, build relationships with, with students who are at risk. And so kids that, that need extra help as far as, you know, schoolwork and, and maybe just relation. Maybe there's not a dad in the picture. Maybe there's, you know, the, the, the home life is rough. And so, so this nationally recognized organization, you know, is allowing us to have a freeway into the school. And so, so that's huge. And so we've got to, you know, that costs money for us to be able to do that. But to have the banner of Kids Hope is incredible for our church. That, 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 that's an incredible opportunity for us. And by the way, we're the only church in the county using that uh, opportunity, uh, which, is, which I'd like to see grow. Finally, one of our biggest projects was, was simply adding a playground out back. So it's been huge for our Mother's Day Out uh, program, which has doubled the number of kids that, and, and families that we've uh, served this year, which is awesome because these are, these are folks in the community that would, you know, no other way would they even walk into the building except for, hey, they've got a service, they're a church, let's use them, let's go there. And so they get here and it's like, oh, wow, it's like relationship building. And so we've seen people come to our church as a result. We've seen great, God do great things as a result of that ministry. And, and the playground played a huge part in that. And so um, that, that's awesome. 
We also pay 20% of every single person's uh, cost to go on a mission trip. So if the cost is X, this is what it's going to cost to go you know, to Haiti or to the Dominican Republic. Then we just automatically take 20% off. The church covers that through, this, uh, through the Christmas offering and, uh, because we're, we're committed to sending you. We want that cost to be as low as possible. We're committed to sending our people overseas. And so uh, that's what we did. So everybody that went, 20% was covered last year. So that's what we did with last year's. Uh, able to do a lot, $41,000 given. Uh, a lot of cool and awesome and great stuff happened last year. This year, uh, we want to double that. Our church has almost doubled in attendance. I figure, you know what, God, if you've doubled our attendance, um, I believe you can double the amount that's given for the Christmas offering this year as well. And so let me explain why uh, it needs to be doubled uh, this year. First off, we're going to continue our support uh, for Brett Bundy, who is in Haiti. But we're, we're also adding uh, a missionary in the Dominican Republic named Brad Jenkins. He's who we went with the last, uh, for the last two trips this past year, uh, doing a phenomenal work, creating sustainability and in, 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 in ministry there uh, in uh, the DR. So we're going to give to him financially this year and support his work. Uh, we're going to continue to pay the 20% to everyone's cost. And so we're going to double the amount of trips this year, which means that's going to be more money. We're also going to take a fifth, actually, and we're going to take a recon trip to Africa because we feel like God is leading us to, to be in Africa as well. So we'll have three, three different nations, Haiti, uh, the Dominican Republic, and Africa. And so uh, all of that costs for that to take place, to develop that partnership and to develop that ministry in Africa that we hope to do this year, um, it costs uh, also, we're, we're going to continue with the local ministries that I just mentioned. Uh, Pregnancy Resource Center, Food for Kids, Kids Hope, uh, Second Harvest Food Bank. Those are all things that we're going to continue. Here's what we're going to add. Uh, we're really excited about this. Um, there's a large population of Hispanic uh, people in our, in our area, in our city. And so um, we, we're, we're excited to start uh, English as a second language ministry. And so Erica Blagg, I think she's here somewhere. She speaks great. There she is. She speaks uh, Spanish. And so uh, she's going to begin this ministry and, and support this ministry and teach this to build relationships. Uh, this is the, the, the great time of year to do it because it's cold outside and, 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 and you know, it gets darker sooner. So uh, we see a, a, a growth in the number of people that attend a class like this. And so we're excited to get that going. Now, what does that lead to? I mean, are we just going to provide a, a good service to teach people how, how to speak English? No. You know, that, that, that's, that's kind of the pathway to build relationships and to share the story. And so one day it's going to be Greg and I on the soccer field with all of these families and guys getting our tails whipped because I can't play soccer. But I'm going to go and I want you guys to go with me to build relationships and to meet people and to have fun. And eventually it's going to be Foothills Church Hispanic Campus. And it's going to be a Foothills Church Hispanic Pastor. And it's going to grow and God is going to do an amazing work and he's going to bring dead people to life. And so no matter, you know, on this whole immigration thing, let me just make a side comment that, you know, whatever you think about this, um, if it upsets you, I want you to think about it through the, through the lens of the gospel story. Like maybe the church in America hasn't been faithful enough to going. And so God said, you know what? I guess I'm going to have to send my people to them. And so, I, and so for me, this, this is missions, you know? This is being on mission. Like God is bringing other nations and cultures around us 
What amazing opportunity. I'm not going to look at that as a negative. I'm going to look at that as an amazing opportunity to build God's kingdom. And I hope you guys will join us. The next thing that we're excited about doing is called food co-op. And so, so the food co-op thing is, is a little bit different than, hey, uh, we're open, come and get your food. Um, and Greg has talked about this the last two weeks. For us, our heart is sustainability, not just handouts. In times of need, in times of crisis, you know, we want to give handouts. And those are, those are you know, sometimes needed. But long term, we want people to be equipped and trained to, to be able to sustain and support their own life. You know, if they keep coming back every week for food and, and every week for money, then it's like we're just enabling them to, you know, badly handle their own money or, or continue the, the, the cycle of poverty in their family and life. So the food co-op is designed in such a way that, that folks who need this ministry actually take ownership for the ministry. So they buy the food at a discounted rate. They organize it. They do it all themselves. They, 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 they help each other. They, they, they sell it to each other and they take care of the whole thing through their own effort and work, teaching them how to be sustained, teaching them and allowing them to have a better quality of life, uh, bringing back dignity in their own heart. So they're not, you know, if you've ever seen a, a, a man in need and he needs food for his family, he's ashamed and he hangs his head. Well, this gives dignity because you're working for it and you're doing it uh, together with a community of, of, of folks. So we're really excited about that. This takes resources to get this kicked off. You know, we've got to buy food. We've got we to gotta get things together. And so obviously that takes resources. Then finally, uh, budget relief is a huge issue for us this year. I mean, so like a few months ago, I said we were going to be uh, behind budget. And, uh, and, and thankfully, some of you guys have stepped up and, and uh, it has picked up. We're not going to be as far behind as what we once were, but we still could be uh, behind. And so what we're asking part of this Christmas offering to do is to fund the mission of the church, uh, which is all the other great things and ministries that we're doing, student ministry, kids ministry, all these things have to do with the mission of our church. And so this is a huge, huge offering for us this year. $80,000 is not chump change to me. I mean, this is a big deal. I remember praying through this, talking about with the staff and like writing that number down and thinking, oh my goodness, are we serious? It's like God has brought us this far. He's going to continue. He's going to continue to take us to the next level. And, And hey, if you're over your head, it doesn't matter how deep the water is, does it? I mean, seriously. And that's how I feel most of the time as the pastor here. We're, I'm over my head, so it doesn't matter how deep the water is at this point. Um, we're trusting God that, that he is going to be faithful, that he is going to provide, and I believe that, that he truly is. And, and so what I'm asking everybody here to do, um, whether you're a partner or an attender, I'm asking everybody to give to the Christmas offering next Sunday. Um, you know me, I'm pretty pretty clear, hopefully, and straightforward. And, and um, we, we want you guys to, 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 to give to this. Now, if you're a regular giver, um, I'm asking you to continue to, to, to give that regular offering uh, in December. And, and the Christmas offering would be above and beyond that. Um, and so that's what my family is going to do and our staff is going to do. And, and that's what we're asking you to do. Now, remember, we don't do offerings for special guests and speakers and, you know, so-and-so has a need. So we take, we do one offering a year because we want to be intentional about where that money is going to go. And so, so I'm, we're asking you to do that. Now, some of you have been attending here. Um, maybe you're even a partner and you don't give to the church at all. You don't give faithfully. You don't hardly give any at all. And we know that because we have the statistics to prove it. We've got a lot more people attending and, and only this amount of people actually giving. And so this my friend, is your time to shine. This is your time to shine. 
You know, let there be light. See how you are connected to the mission of God. Recognize that you, that that God owns it all. Recognize that you're a part of the story here. And what you do and how you live affects the mission of this church. And so I'm asking you to give. I'm asking you to give generously. Um, I love that Calhoun's is in town, by the way. Anybody else excited about some barbecue? Um, This is a free plug. They didn't pay me to do this, although they should. But like I like going there. um, And every time I eat there, they bring me a bill. And I'm like, man, you know, it's like, I got to pay for this food. And so it's like, I love Chick-fil-A too. Like if I had any, anybody to support, it'd be Chick-fil-A just because I love Truett Kathy. I love the, the whole organization and what they stand. It's just, it's just a great organization. So, so here's the, I would, I would much rather, you know, send my money to Chick-fil-A, you know, eat, eat right there at Calhoun's, but send my money to Chick-fil-A because I want to support them. But you know what? Calhoun's, they don't operate like that, do they? Because where you eat, where you get fed, is where you pay. <laughs> Some of you have been getting fed here at Foothills Church. You've been getting fed. Your kids have been getting fed. Your students have been getting fed. And some of you have been robbing God. And so I just want to ask you right now, just as clear and as friendly, you pay where you're fed. So as we, as we kind of wrap this up, here's, here's the final challenge. Will you put that final challenge up on the screen? And so some of you are taking notes. Write this down. Um, you have to write fast because it's a big, it's, it's a couple sentences here. But I want this to kind of be your motto. I want this as we close just to be your motto this week that you would write it on a card, that you would maybe put it um, up, you know, on your dashboard uh, in your car. Maybe you would put it up, you know, at work. Uh, maybe this would be on your bathroom wall or mirror to help you remember this and and begin to make this a reality in your life because you're a missionary. You and I both are missionaries. If you're not a fast rider, just whip out your phone and take a picture of that bad boy. Um, And so so here's the deal. Today in some way, I get to advance the movement of God in this world. In some way, through word or actions, I get to demonstrate the love of this amazing God and live my life as part of something much bigger than myself. Whew. If everybody in this room could get pumped about that, if everybody in this room would get excited about Jesus and see the world through the lens of this statement, God would transform your marriage. You wouldn't have to go to count. You, listen, if you get excited about this, the other stuff in life begins to smooth out, man. I'm just telling you. You focus on the problem the whole time and you don't put Jesus in the mix, then you're just, you're just running the rat race. It's like, this is where it starts. Follow Jesus. Love Jesus. And then the behavior things work themselves out. I'm going to put this on my Twitter and my Facebook. So if you, if you didn't have your phone, you'll get it. But today's sermon title is Let There Be Light. Because through our giving, through our worship, through our actions, we are bringing light into this dark world, into this dead world. Jesus didn't come to make good people bad. He came to make dead people come alive. Thanks for listening. More information about Foothills Church is available at foothillschurch.com.